0: Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you. You may be seated. Praise God. You take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to Genesis, Genesis the twenty eighth chapter. As you're turning there, uh, just a reminder: this will be our last Wednesday night at six o'clock. Okay, last Wednesday night at six, we're going to go back to our seven o'clock. Uh, that will start back next week. Now, I'm a little envious. Because I'm going to be over with the youth and my favorite preacher is going to be preaching in here on Wednesday night. And I don't say that, I say that in her presence, outside of her presence. But I want you to encourage you, we're going to come straight in, she's going to go straight to the teaching. She's already shared several things that she's going to be uh, talking about. You don't want to miss it. You need to come in and uh, with your pen in hand and your paper ready because she's going to give you for a solid hour Revelation, and I'm I'm going to look forward to listening back to it. So, and let me encourage you: be out here on on Wednesday night, seven o'clock. Come in, get ready. Amen. Also, Living Free will be after service tonight at seven o'clock. Back in, the, if you haven't signed up, you can go ahead and go tonight. Uh, Trevor's back there getting everything set up. Thought I had the dvd player working it wasn't working so but anyway it's going to be a great night now next week at seven o'clock while andrew is teaching in here uh living free will be going on back there we haven't uh, given up or do we want to back away from our intercessory prayer patricia is going to be leading each and every wednesday night from 6 15 to to 645 right here before service. She's going to be leading intercessory prayer. How many know that we can only go as high as we're willing to go deep? I love what Ian Bounds said. You, if you want to do much for God, you got to be much with God. And so let me encourage you, folks. We need a firm foundation in the, in the world we're living today. I want you to look in the, in the Word of God. Let's go to Genesis 28 tonight as we continue, and this will be the last of this three-part series on the Eden Project. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord God, for mercy and grace. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Right now, just welcome him with me. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this room, Lord God, into the, Lord, let the light of, the, of your glory, Lord God, begin to illuminate any areas of darkness that is within us. Lord, let us begin to understand who you are, Lord God, in the, even a deeper, Lord God, more magnificent way. Father, I pray, Father, that you would lead and guide and take over the remainder of the service in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Genesis 28, I'm going to begin reading here in verse 10, and we're going, to, we're going to continue with this theme that we've talked about as we've looked at dwellings, doors, and arcs. But tonight, we're going to, we've talked very heavily about dwellings. We're going to touch on that a little bit. We've talked about arcs last week. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the door. But I want you to look here in Genesis 28. I want to start right here. Verse 12. It says, then he dreamed, Jacob, this is Jacob as he's going, going to find a bride, but we, he finds himself here, uh, he said, he dreamed, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to heaven. There the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. In you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Amen? Would you agree with me that the revelation that Jacob received that day is he received the revelation of the door of heaven, the entry point, how heaven would come to earth. Now, as we look here, we see a ladder ascending uh, uh, all the way into heaven, and, he came, and the angels are ascending and descending upon that ladder. And we know as we look forward to the conversation that Jesus had with Nathanael as he's bringing a spiritual reality to this dream that, uh, or a physical reality to the dream that, that uh, uh, Jacob had that day. And he told Nathanael, said, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. Preach the message about that. Beautiful, beautiful analogies. You look at that, you understand that it wasn't just the, he saw him over there under a fig grove and he's sitting under a tree. It was figurative speech saying, I know where you're at. I saw you. And to be under a fig tree is to sit and ponder, think about things, muse and meditate. But the Lord said to Nathaniel, I saw, I saw you. And it was so impressed, Nathaniel, that he's like, Oh, oh my Lord God, you are the Christ. <laughs> Wouldn't you love it if people were that so easily converted? Amen. You are the Christ because you, you saw me. But how many today would understand that Jesus does see us? Amen. And when we begin to understand how intimately he sees us, and that's what Nathaniel got. You see, you see where I'm at. You know what I'm going through. I was over there, and I, his, his thoughts must have been, been, been deep on a subject that he was pondering and the fact that the Lord saw where he was at. But the Lord makes this astounding declaration. He said, after he declared that he was the Christ, he said, Oh, you're going to see greater things. You're going to see the Son of Man ascending and descending upon that on a ladder. What was he declaring to Nathaniel? He was declaring to Nathaniel, I am the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. I'm the ladder. I'm the connection between heaven and earth. I am the door of the sheepfold. I'm going to open this door. But see, we see here in Bethel, or Jacob awoke from his dream and he said, this is Bethel. This is none other than the house, the dwelling place of God. And then he makes the declaration, this is the gate of heaven. This is the door of heaven. Now folks, I've said it and I'll continue to say it because I want it to get beyond our head into our heart. I want it to infiltrate all the way down into the fiber of our being that we understand that we have access to heaven we have access to heaven God opened the door through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The veil was torn in two and we can we have access to heaven. That is fantastic. We need to know that. That's good news. But what we also need to know is that now heaven has access to earth. And this is the point that if you don't get any other point You are called to be the gate of heaven on earth in your generation, in your family, in your workplace, uh, to the nations. That's your call. It is a responsibility. It is a commission that God has rested upon his people. We are the gate of heaven through Jesus Christ. Your purpose and goal is not just to make heaven when you die. It's not just to get to heaven and to make it out of this world into eternal world. No, we are here, church, to expand and broaden the Eden horizon. We are here as the dwelling place of God on earth and to open our hearts to to the realization that we have purpose. God has a design for us. So as we look here, We saw in creation how that God created a dwelling place. And I won't spend a lot of time on this. We see that Eden was the garden home of God. Man messed up and the door to the garden. The garden home was closed. Man continued in their sin until the point that God had to reset the earth. Brought a flood. Now when he brought the flood, he took uh, the seeds of Eden and put, a, put the seeds of, of Eden into the, into the ark. And he, he stayed there with humanity in a sense. Uh, and he's now in the houseboat. Got the garden home to the houseboat. Gets out of there and now we see that, that Noah's, Noah's charge was that of Adam and Eve from the beginning. Go, be fruitful and multiply Go expand the borders of Eden, and then we see that God made a covenant with with Moses, and and now He's He's created a, a tabernacle And I still can't come up with a better phrase for this. But a tabernacle didn't stay in one place, did it? It was mobile. It was God's mobile home. <laughs> come on now, it was uh, Eden esque. It was had all the the furnishings and the in the carvings and and in Everything was woven into the tapestry to to remind us of Eden because God had not given up on his dwelling place. And then the Lord pointed to a more permanent resident, and that would be Jerusalem and the Temple Mount where he was letting us know that, look, there's a tabernacle right here, but there's going to be a more permanent place. And now we understand, according to Paul's teaching, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God takes up permanent residence in our heart, Amen. And we will be an eternal residence one day. So we go from a from a garden home to a houseboat to a mobile home to a permanent resident to to right here in our heart, Amen. And we looked at the arcs, and what we see is that we got the Ark Noah's Ark that we get into, and then we have a, we have a, the Ark that we carry, the Ark of the Covenant, and then we have the Ark that is within us, as that would is jesus christ but i want you to we're going to zero in now and talk about the door you can't you can't talk about the dwelling without talking about the ark you can't talk about the ark unless you talk about the door and so what we're seeing is we have come to the understanding of the true mercy seat do we need to recap on that or we got it the the true mercy seat the angels guarded the Garden of Eden, the, the angels guarded in the veil, woven in the house of the Lord. But ultimately, we find in John where <clears throat> there's an angel now sitting at the head and the feet of Jesus, and there was a stone there, it was bloodstained, that represented the true mercy seat wasn't in, made of gold. The covenant with Moses had a mercy seat where the cherubim was overshadowed. It was made of gold. It was made of gold so that we could see that it has a spiritual significance, that it has weightiness, it has value. If you ran the numbers on the, the temple. Alone, the temple, in all the gold and all the silver and all the bronze, it in today's economy it would be a multi-billion-dollar structure. It doesn't mean that we need to go and, and and have props and sets and houses filled with all of this elaborate things. There was something the Lord was telling us in the value that He placed upon the temple. The value that he placed upon the temple is the very value he places upon us. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a cash grab on God's part when he told them to bring the, the precious metals and all, the, all everything needed in order to build the house. Uh, he was trying to show you and I how much he values us by speaking in language we understand, uh, which is a monetary language, amen? But what we see there is that that Ark of the Covenant that had the original the original mercy seat made of pure gold, it would one day show you and I, just as the veil was torn and the angels uh, no longer guarded, there would be a re-entry into heaven. A re-entry into heaven. And that re-entry into heaven is the mercy seat of God. Let me explain. In order for the sacrifice to be complete, Jesus Christ had to be perfect and He had to die. And where they laid His body would not be His permanent residence. It would only be the access point for you and I. So. When they rolled the stone away, the angels were sitting there indicating that this is the entrance into heaven, the mercy for you and I, the entrance into heaven. See, the veil was torn, and now you could see the mercy seat. Now Jesus is laying his body where it laid. God said in his word, I will meet you right there. So, when we come to the mercy seat, the grave, the death of of self, the door to heaven, we step upon the streets of gold, in a sense. Are you with me? In other words, we now can enter in to heaven and the way we get there is the grave, the mercy seat. I got your wheels turning. Let's keep going. Let me just let me, let me write these scriptures down. Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you believe with me that when Jesus died, we died with him? Do you also believe that when he rose, we rose with him? So now the resurrection spirit lives where? Inside of us. So when you come into the kingdom of God and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your Lord and your Savior, you become a child of God. And now God dwells in your heart. He dwells in your heart and the resurrection spirit dwells inside of you. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And this is the Amplified. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These who are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So we have here the very understanding that when God, the same mighty, immeasurable, unlimited power that raised Jesus from the dead is the very spirit that lives on the inside of us. Amen? When he came to the earth, he, he already housed the resurrection spirit. How do we know? Martha, your brother is going to live. <laughs> no, no, Lord, he's been dead for four days and he stinks. <laughs> I know this to be true. Anything that lays around and dies and starts stinking, or if it starts stinking, it's dead. Amen. There's, there's a. Let's be careful. Let's pocket those stones if we're living those glass houses. You know what I'm saying? We, we gotta. We gotta. We gotta think about. We got. We gotta look at when we point the finger out. We got three pointing back to us. Do we have some stinking thinking in us? we got some dead areas in our own life. we got some things that need to be changed and corrected and empowered by the resurrection spirit living on the inside of us. I mean, that's because that's my first response, too. we got a lot of dead people. And the Lord says, and you might not be so alive yourself. <laughs> so, yes, Lord, <laughs> speak, thou servant, hear us. What does resurrection mean? It means to restore a dead person to life. Restore a dead person to life. See, we live in a world and a society and a Christian culture, if you will, where the carnal man seeks the resurrected spirit without the crucifixion. Life was destroyed by disobedient death. Now, obedient death resurrects life. We cannot have a resurrection nor a resurrection spirit without a crucifixion. See, we don't take God and just add him to our life. We don't just, he doesn't just fluff up and make us better versions of ourselves. And I'm concerned in the body of Christ today that there will come a great falling away, and that falling away is a misguided understanding of the true gospel message, because the only way to receive the resurrected spirit is there must be a crucifixion that takes place in our own heart, in our own life. Because God has given us the power to become children of God. And the only way to become a child of God is you must be born again. And you don't need to be born again if you're alive. You've got to die so you can be born again. Amen? And, folks, I want to say to you the, the cross is not something that we should push away. It's something we should embrace. It is an invitation to life, it is an invitation to become the, the host of heaven. It is a place where we should be longing for and looking for because we don't need to vindicate, validate, or elevate the old man anymore. We need to crucify once and for all so that the resurrection spirit of God may rise up on the inside of us that we may walk as children of the living God. Amen. See, we kind of bought into a gospel belief that God wants to make us better. No, my friend, he didn't want to make you better. He wants to kill you so he can resurrect you. Hmm. He wants you to change your identity. And the identifiers uh, That you are not who you were You're a brand new creature in Christ It doesn't make any difference What you were born with What matters is what you were born again with And what you were born again with Is a resurrected spirit living on the inside And folks if we can ever get this in our spirit That we stop trying to elevate self And validate self And start becoming sons and daughters of God You're going to see a transformation In this house you're going to see a transformation in your family. You're going to see a transformation in this community because what the world is longing for, all of creation is longing for the manifestation of what? The sons and daughters of God. Because there will be no transformation, church, if there is no manifestation. We must manifest the very person of God through the resurrected spirit of God. Paris Reedhead had said this, Jesus does not only save us from what we have done, amen to that, he saves us from who we are. <laughs> he not only saves us from what we've done, he saves us from what we were. <laughs> Jesus not only died for us, Jesus died as us. He came to deliver us from the tyranny. Of ourselves. And I got to thinking about that as I read the statement. He came to deliver us from the tyranny of ourselves. He came to deliver us from our filthy habits, darkened understanding, our personalities, He's come to deliver us out of, not to vindicate, not to make you better. He's come to annihilate that so he can resurrect who he is inside of you. Now that to me is exciting because there's nothing in my old self I want. Amen? There's nothing that I've tried to try to use or tried to help or, or, or if I left it up to him. I would be in a ditch somewhere destroying myself all over again because God's come to deliver me out of my own nature. Is this all right? See, so where do we find the gate of heaven? We find it in the grave. We find it at the mercy seat. We find it the bloodstained stone that's not attractive to you and I. But let me tell you, you look at that and understand that it it points back to a golden seat where a golden seat is where God abides and now you step into the spiritual reality is that you're not who you were. Amen? And folks, if we will get off the fast track in the train of, of the gerbil wheel of trying to find ourselves and just lose ourselves and just quit trying to find our peace and start walking in our peace. If we stop trying to find life and just start letting life be begun, begin to illuminate in us and through us. We will discover a life that God has intended for us to live. See, yet to all who receive Him, He gave the power to become the sons of God. That includes daughters. To those who believe in His name, See, at the reception of Jesus, when we receive him as our Lord, as our Lord, he empowers us to become children of God. There is an empowering. <laughs> There's a, what you couldn't do before until you surrendered to yourself. And when, when you surrendered to God and said, Lord, I just I want you to be my Lord. See, and sons are not concerned with their business. See, sons of God, daughters of God, they're not concerned as much with their business. God bless me. God make my name great. No, sons and daughters of God. They get inside. There is something There It just your heart starts to beat to a new rhythm, a new drum beat. It's all of a sudden you're not so much concerned about yourself. You're now there is something inside of you that begins to cry, Abba Father, Other Father, Lord, what is Your business? And when you get to the place of maturity in God, the weos of God, you get out of the adolescence. You get out of the you 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 go from crawling to walking to running to now all of a sudden you realize that you don't have to clean you don't have to clean your room you get to clean your room amen in other words uh, you reach the level of maturity when you no longer have to be told what to do <laughs> that now all of a sudden your desire is to please the Father, and you're about His business, and His business is more important than your business. His business will take you to the places where you will reconcile with the Lord, and you will reconcile with others, and you will not allow relationships to continue to fluster, fester, and grow, and become diseased. I got... (laughs) It was coming faster than I could get it out. (laughs) you know how a bull begins to fester and it begins to you, you're not interested in carrying that thing around anymore you understand that this relationship is toxic it's devouring me and it's not that it's not that that person's right and I'm wrong and I'm wrong and they're right you're just like all of a sudden my God Lord what do you say is right about this and now Lord God I'll do it your way if it means I need to choke on some crow I'm going to choke on some crow Lord if i got to humble myself I'm going to humble myself because Lord God that's soul of that individual is more important than my rights what do we call that we call it maturity in the body of Christ we call that the father's business we call that being interested in being a child of God understand the dynamics of what I'm telling you I am not endorsing abuse in any way. And if your life is in danger, you get to a place of safety. You don't continue in that abuse. That's not of God. That's not. If you're in a place of abuse, the Lord does not intend for you to stay in that place of abuse. That's thus says me. Okay. I don't see anywhere in the word of God that there's justification for abusing anybody. I don't. So get to a place of safety. But see, even once you get to the place of safety, you still have to deal with those emotions that drove you to that place. and You don't want to give the devil another day, another moment, another minute of your time. See, because uh, I'm getting into my Sunday. You'll just have to come back Sunday to hear the rest of that. See, God delivers us from the tyranny of ourself. See, it's not just Pharaoh, we understand Pharaoh represents Satan. He was he was a, a a Satan type in the Word of God. And but when they got into the wilderness, Pharaoh and his army and his strength was broken. But yet they went, ran right straight back at the moment that, that they thought God took too long to answer them. They ran by, back to their idolatrous worship. They ran right back to the place that they, God delivered them out of because they were unwilling to wait on what God had in store for them as Moses was up receiving on the mount uh, all the instructions of God. And we have unfortunately lived in a society and technology is great. But man, if fast food is not given to us uh, real fast... Uh, then we are most impatient, amen? Listen, it should have been five minutes, not six. I need that burger now. And we live in that kind of mentality. We don't have push button anymore. It's voice command. We don't have voice command anymore. We have intuitive technology. It knows what we're going to search before we even search it. It annoys me. So, as we look here to the Word of God, we understand convenience is great, but man, it's not everything. So, I want to say to you tonight: cannot, mm, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the house of God. We are God's Eden on earth. We're his dwelling place. And if we are the house of God, folks, we're not meant to be, we're meant to be a house, not a hostel. what a hostel is? They're over in Europe, you know, everybody sleeps in one room and you just rent out the space and all together just singing kumbaya, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a big, in, in, they're, they're very plenteous in Europe. It's a, it's, it's a bunkhouse, you just go and, and, and it's a hostel, people all stay in the same room. But folks, we're not a hostel, we're a, we're a house, Amen. If we house the living God. We house the resurrection spirit. And folks, if we're going to walk in the resurrected spirit, then folks, we're going to have to live at a place where we understand that we are dead, and He is alive inside of us. And it's not bad news. It's good news. And the good news is, is I don't have to keep trying to elevate old self. I don't have to keep trying to put Him, position Him. I don't have to declare His rights anymore. I don't have to. You ever tried to offend a dead man? It's not possible. Andrew used to work in a funeral home, and. There was not one dead person in there. They didn't care what their makeup looked like. They didn't care what their hair looked like. They didn't care what kind of clothes they had on. They could not be offended. You could you could stand there and tell them how ugly they looked, and they weren't going to say a thing. Amen. Why? Because they're dead. And folks, it's time that we kill offense in the house of God by realizing we died with Christ. But if we died with Christ, we also resurrected with Him. And if we resurrected with Him, then there's something living on the inside of us. Amen. We now become the gate of heaven, we declare. And so we're carrying around with us the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord said, I'm going to make you Jesus. I'm going to make you a covenant to the people. And so we have the Ark of the Covenant. We carry Jesus with us. Time will not permit, but I will say to you, go and study, and you will discover in Joshua 3, as we've talked about in here, whenever they carried the Ark, they went to the Jordan. And the Bible declares to us, when the priest carrying the Ark stepped foot in the in the Jordan, the lowest river in the world. The Bible says that the Jordan opened up all the way to this little old city called Adam, Adam. 20 miles away, it opened all the way up. Why did it open 20 mile stretch? Maybe because the children of Israel all stepped over at one time. They didn't file in a single file. Lord, would you open this up? Sure, there we go. little Everybody single file, queue up, line up. We're going to get through this thing. No, God opened it all the way up so we could all step over. Amen? Into what? Out of the wilderness into promise. How is that possible? The Jordan overflowed its banks all the time of harvest. That was the time that they were stepping in. Now the Jordan opened up. They, because of the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, opened the river Jordan. Three of the Gospels tell us when John baptized Jesus in the Jordan, the same river. Historians and theologians believe at the same place that that, that Israel crossed over. The physical Jordan didn't open. But the Gospels tell us, three of the four, maybe all four of them, tells us that heaven opened up. And there was a voice that came forth from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Folks, that's exciting because the command was in Joshua this is how you're going to know that you have victory in the land it's when the ark touches but carried by the priest when it touches the Jordan it opens up then victory belongs to you the same thing is true when John was making a transference as he was at the actual high priest lineage of the high priest that should have been in office but he wasn't because of politics and John now representing the Mosaic law referencing the priesthood he did the transference of priesthood when he baptized Jesus as the order of the, out of the order of Melchizedek and when he rose again the heavens opened declaring to you and I that you now have victory in the spirit. Yeah. You see now you carry this ark inside of you. You carry the priesthood. You carry the provision. You carry the will of God, as we talked about last week. But we understand that when we carry this, we are the gate of heaven. We're the gate of heaven. What is the answer to the world today? The answer to the world today is Jesus in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope that you may see. Folks, it is my earnest desire that there will be such an awakening in the house of God, that it will awaken a community and awaken families, that the law that's kind of swept over the body of Christ of late will be lifted as the glory of the light of God begins to shine in our heart. That we shake off the fear that is around us, the fear of the enemy, the fear of a turmoil, the fear of losing our kingdom of comfort and start embracing the fact that we have been chosen, handpicked of God to be a part of this last day generation. And folks, if the Lord tarries in his return and we still understand as we look around us that there are souls that need to be brought into the kingdom. Of God, and it is not my desire as an under shepherd of God to see you waste one more day in the enemy's camp. And the way that we waste time in the enemy's camp is when we spend all of our days, nights, and and weekends always concerned about our next place that we've got to be and the next comfort level we got to get to. And we're trying to squelch our emotions and we're trying to stop and escape and every kind of escape imaginable. I believe it is time, church. The church gets back to that hidden place of the Most High God where we are so consumed with the Lord that we live in a place of understanding that we are the gates of heaven and we carry something on the inside of us, something greater than shame, something greater than pain, something greater than regret, and we're not validating ourselves anymore. Oh, no, we don't care a flip about self anymore. We have given ourselves wholly over to the Father's business and we're saying, Lord, let the searchlight, Lord God, search every crack and crevice of my heart. Lord God, I am afraid of myself. I don't want to be in your way. I want to humble myself and give some place to grace. Amen? Because our pride has stopped the moving of God's grace in our life. God, resists the proud, those who think they can take care of it themselves. But see, when we humble ourselves, we have given place to grace because we realize we got to have God. I had a conversation with a person this week. It was a short conversation. I the conversation went something like this you need, you're not made to make it on your own. Oh, no, I'm a, I pray, I do my thing. See, what we've done is we've taken the gospel. The good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Yes, Lord. Why did Jesus have to be buried? I think it proved his death. But I think the burial was for us. But we need to bury ourselves. I'm giving it like I'm getting it, folks. Come on. Gotta bury our why did the Lord make the mercy seat in the old covenant and then he reveals it in his grave in the new covenant? It's because he wants us to understand that when you die, you need to go ahead and bury yourself there and stop resurrecting self and start resurrecting the Lord Jesus Christ in your life so that when you walk out three days later, you're not who you were when you went in. You don't care about your rights. You don't care about the offenses. You don't care about those things. What you're interested in is, Lord, what do you want to do with me? And I've had people tell me, early on, I don't get this anymore, (laughs) <laughs> they told me early on when I began to pastor my first church, you're not old enough to know anything. I said, Well, I've got a really, 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 really old boss. <laughs> and I said, You know what? Though you're still a infantile in your mentality, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> You've been in the kingdom of God for 40 years and you don't know any more than that. Anyway, here's the fact. You can grow as fast as you can stand it. Amen? You can grow as fast as you're willing to crucify. See, God never leads to a crucifixion that he doesn't have a resurrection in mind. See, we can't. We can't live in the fullness, church, if we're dragging all this dead weight of self around with us. Stop trying to vindicate and validate and keep him alive. Just go ahead and let him die. Amen? That might be your personality. Well, I got this personality and I just can't get rid of it. It's just the way way I'm made. If I leaned to my personality, I'd be sitting in a, in a rocking chair uh, or, or, or a e- lazy boy right now flipping the channels because I wouldn't want to do anything else. Amen? I certainly wouldn't be preaching the gospel because that would be the last thing I would want to do is get up and be a public speaker. You can't defer to your personality. It'll have no weight in the end. And you will stand before God one of these days and he will say, What did you do with what I gave you? This is not a guilt trip, folks. This is a this is a, a a drawing you out to say, look, there's more in you than you even know. There is an ark. It's an ark of safety to those that are perishing. It is an ark of the covenant that you can bring people in, but most importantly, it will open up heaven everywhere you go. And you have a in house inside of you the very covenant keeper himself, and he will. Walks in the flames, and he's not shutting. He doesn't. He doesn't forsake, nor is he afraid of the floods. He who can either walk through it, open it up, or float right on top of it. It makes him no difference, because you cannot conquer the king that lives on the inside of our heart. Oh, there's more in you. There's more in you. God, I want to be a son. The Most High God. I want to be about the Father's business and not my own business. Amen. I didn't see anything else in there. <laughs> Fear has done its number on the church. Started three years ago. ran a lot of people out. Taught us in an exponential fashion how to how to die. Now we've got this disruption in Israel. Fear that was already sitting next to us, around us, speaking to us, is sitting there and it's telling you your comfort is being disrupted. Your comfort's being disrupted may not be the money in the bank. I'm not telling you it's not real. It is. It's either the thing or it's an echo to the thing. Are you hearing me? This is a big deal. No question whatsoever. But folks, I'm looking for the moment because I don't believe the body of Christ is going to limp in. I don't think the body of Christ is going to be offended out of the house of God. I don't believe that the body of Christ, as we used to say years and years ago, some milk toast, (laughs) spineless. Let me just pose this question to you Do you believe that God can prepare us for whatever we face? Even the spirit of Antichrist in the land that's already here today. When John wrote, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Who was John speaking about? The Antichrist. You look at 1 John. It is a polemic. It is a rebuke. It is an offensive attack against the Antichrist mentioned more in the book of 1 John than any other book the Antichrist and the Lord Jesus told us the spirit would be in the land but how much more is the hour coming where the Antichrist is in the land and he's rearing his ugly head and the stage is being set and folks it's not a time to shrink back it's a time to be emboldened by the power of the living God this will be the greatest harvest season the church has ever Seen. This will be the greatest time. Now, Paul tells us and declares to us that in the last days, perilous times will come. And that word perilous means irksome, hard to bear. It is going to be grievous. It is going to be heart wrenching and gut wrenching. And we have seen some gut wrenching events, not just in Israel, but in our own schoolyards and on our land and around this country. And the more we come to realize how much human trafficking is on the earth. Folks, if there's ever an hour of darkness where the light needs to shine, it is today. And you are called not to be a, a city that is hidden, but a city set upon a hill. And upon that hill you so let your light shine. And you say, Lord my God, I am a son. I am a daughter of the highest king. I am the one who stands here in proxy, in a place Lord God. Let's say, Lord God, Lord send me... Send me, Lord God, to the nation. Send me, Lord God, down the street. Send me in the classroom. Send me in the prayer closet. Send me to a place, Lord God, where we can cry out to the living God and we can open the gate of heaven. Lord, bring a revelation, Lord God, and an awakening in this house tonight. Bring an awakening in this house tonight, Lord God. That'll disrupt the order of the enemy. Somebody stand to your feet. Right now, disrupt the order of the enemy. Father, in the name of the Lord God, Lord, we will not give our children. over over to the enemy. We will not give our children, Lord God. We will not forfeit another generation, Lord God, uh, to go, Lord God, in the path that the enemy has chosen. Uh, Lord, we will stand, God, in the boldness. Uh, We will stand, oh Lord God, with a fierceness. Uh, Lord, put a fierceness in the heart of your children, Lord God. Uh, Put a fierceness in the heart of your children, Lord, uh, that we stand, oh mighty God, uh, that a little dribble, Lord God, of rain won't keep us out of the house. Uh, Lord God, that we'll get up on a Saturday morning and begin to intercede. Uh, get up tomorrow morning and begin to look for somebody to witness to. Uh, Lord God, we won't be offended out of the house. Uh, Lord God, we won't take, Lord God, the heart of things. Uh, Lord God, because we are dead. Uh, And Lord God, we don't give, Lord God, uh, anything over to the enemy. God, don't make us better. I don't want to be better, Lord God. Uh, I want to be dead so that, Lord God, the resurrected spirit, Lord, uh, may be alive on the inside of me like never before. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Oh, merciful God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord God. I'm not hearing your worship. Come on, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, let it be an anointing, Lord. It causes scales to fall from eyes. Lord God, there are those in this room, Lord God, they're going to lay hands on the sick, and my God, those sick are going to recover. There are those who are going to walk into their darkened homes, Lord God, and there's going to be a light so shining in them. Lord God, it's going to change the very nature and the atmosphere. Oh, merciful God, you are worthy. One quick story, and I'm going to let you go to the next thing we was sitting around talking to Tim Teague the other day, one of my good friends who spoke of the light for the Lost Banquet. <clears throat> he said, what, two years ago, he took a group over, his Uncle Lonnie Harris and his Uncle Cleavy Harris, and they all go to Africa. So they didn't ask permission from the chief in order to build this tabernacle they're supposed to build. And what had happened for several months, there was war between another tribe and the tribe that he stepped into that they were supposed to build the tabernacle. In fact, uh, he was described as a foreigner that came to their village, and the man in the village didn't give him what he wanted, so he not only killed him, but he hacked him up. So every foreigner that came in was be, were being killed. They were killing people right and left. So here's Tim, and he's just going on assignment pulls into this village, and the pastor that was supposed to liaison all this did not get permission from the chief, so they had to go see the chief. So they pull up, I know I'm taking a short story and making it long, but they pull up, and they get out of the car, and the chief is sitting there, and there's all these young tribal warriors that are all standing. Tim said, this is not good at all. So he gets up and he walks and He's talking to the translator because you don't talk directly to the chief. The chief said, told his translator, get out of the way. I want to talk to him directly. So he talked to him directly and he said, who are you? Well, Tim said, well, I'm a chief like you're a chief. I'm a chief of the Assembly God missionaries. (laughs) I don't know. So he said, do you know what's been going on in my village? He said, no. He said, We've been killing all the foreigners. He said, Spirits hover in these trees. We can see them. He said, But the minute you got out of the car, whatever spirit you have in you made all those other spirits run. They're gone. He said, well, I house the great spirit, Jehovah God. And what I want to do is build a house for him. And he said, I declare a house of peace. He said, and I declare to you, those spirits that are gone will never come again. So they built the tabernacle. A house of peace. See, that tabernacle was just a physical structure. See, Tim got out of the car. He's a house of God. He said, we're just a bunch of idiots there, not even knowing what we're doing, but we're walking around and light is illuminating out of us. That same resurrection spirit that is in Tim is the same resurrection spirit that was in Paul? It's the same resurrection spirit that was in Christ. It's the same resurrected spirit that lives on the inside of you. Why would we be afraid of the dark? We have the everlasting light. Amen. Praise God. Andrew, come take the do the announcements and take the offering. Praise God. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. Next week, seven o'clock. Be here, be square, okay?
1: Right. What does the world around you need? It sounded better. Let's do it this way. What does the world around you need? The world within you. Ah, see? See that? That's all Tim did. He didn't even know what he was doing. He just got out of the car. What did the world around him need? The world within him. See, if we don't know that, we don't show that. If we don't know that... We don't go in the power of that. That's so good. So by way of announcements, Friend Day is Sunday. What does Friend Day mean? It means we'll be eating after service. We'll be eating hot dogs, but if you don't bring the sides, we'll only be eating hot dogs. So bring stuff to go with it. There's going to be games. We're going to have fun. You'll get a chance to get to meet people. It's just a great time to fellowship together. Tonight, as we close and take up our missions offering before the intercessory prayer time, We're going to pray tonight for Jane and, um, what's his name, Gerald Dollar. Jane and Gerald Dollar, Dollar, they are missionaries among missionaries. They're both the children of missionaries, and now they serve in the field of Ukraine. Now, Jane is actually in Poland, and she is working with the refugees from Ukraine, because as we all know, Ukraine is in the midst of war. Gerald, however, as other missionaries have been cleared out, Gerald has not left Ukraine. Gerald, in his last newsletter, he said as he takes um, the Ukrainian citizens, he gets them and drives them across the border to Poland to get them into safety. And he put in his last newsletter that as they're driving, bombs are going off over their head. So Gerald has not left Ukraine at all. So how many of you know we need to be praying for Gerald Dollar tonight? Now, we bring a different missionary to you on Wednesday night because this church every single month supports 45 missionaries around the world. Every month. And without givings, it's impossible to support them. But just as much as they need financial support, and we know it needs That's the need is financial support as well. They have to have prayer support. So tonight, as we take up our missions offering, we're going to be focusing on Gerald and Jane Dollar who are serving in Ukraine this very day. Let's pray right now for their safety and that God will use them in the midst of this conflict to bring the kingdom of God. Father, we pray, Father, for Jane and Gerald Dollar. I ask, Lord God, that even now as as Gerald is, is moving people to Poland, Lord, I pray that your protection would be upon him, Lord, that you would guide him, that you would open doors, Lord God, and that you would cause, Father, the way to be stopped that's dangerous, Lord, that you would would bring everything, Lord God, into the right alignment, Lord God, and keep him safe, God. We thank you for those whose heart is to serve you no matter what. Even in the midst of peril, Lord God, they continue to serve you. I pray, Father, that you would be with them, that, God, you would give them fruit for their labor, Lord God. And we ask for this conflict in Ukraine, Lord God, to come to an end in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that you would bring Father, terms of reconciliation, that this people of Ukraine would stop needlessly suffering, Lord God, under the barrage of war. We pray, Father, that you would be with them, Lord God, and that you would help them. And all our missionaries, Lord God, we ask that you would give them, Lord God, comfort and you would give them safety tonight, Lord God. Strengthen their hearts for the work that they have to do. And Lord, we thank you for this night and the word that we've heard in Jesus' name.